Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, and welcome to the Latin American History Podcast. Episode 72, The Conquest of Peru, Part 11. Last time, as we covered Manco's Rebellion and the response of the various important Spaniards to it, you might have noticed there was one person I didn't mention, de Almagro. When Manco's Rebellion was taking place, he was not actually present in Peru to fight against it. Throughout this series, I've tried to drop little hints that Almagro and Pizarro will eventually fall out. I've tried to make it clear whenever Pizarro tried to sideline his nominal partner. It took a long time, however, for Almagro himself to get the hints. Pizarro had gone back to Spain between their initial expeditions and he'd presented himself as the leader to the king. Then he had abandoned Tumbes, the city which the king had given to Almagro. When Almagro did arrive in Peru, he not only discovered this, but he was given less of the looted riches. After his work in Ecuador against Quisquis, bringing Belalcazar back into line and pushing de Alvarado away, he had then been put in charge of Cusco by Pizarro. It was becoming clear that Lima was to be the centre of power, but Cusco was still an exceedingly important city. He had seemed happy with his position as subordinate to Pizarro, but he did want Cusco for himself, and to be given the chance to establish himself in the south of their new conquests. He had until now remained loyal, and managed to sideline any concerns he had, he surely must have had some, though. Now, his patience was at an end, and he was growing increasingly angry with Pizarro. This brewing conflict had influenced the course of Manco's rebellion. While it was clear that Almagro was unable to influence Pizarro, he was still probably the second most powerful man in Peru, and he had been an ally and advocate of Manco. If he had remained in Cusco, he probably would have been able to moderate the behaviour of the Pizarro brothers. His absence meant that Manco could not appeal to him for help. 
and this might have contributed to him feeling that he had no choice but to rebel. When he left Cusco, Almagro also took with him a large number of the newly arrived Spanish colonists. Those who had arrived later, and those who came from lower social backgrounds and lacked the connections to be given land and prestige in Peru, were drawn to his new campaign. Fed up with Pizarro's stranglehold on the colony, Almagro had decided to march south and conquer new lands for himself. The recruits who came with him also believed that by following him, they might end up in a better position. Who can say how much of an impact their presence would have had when Manco rebelled? But it wouldn't have hurt from a Spanish perspective. Among those who signed up was de Soto, one of the most experienced commanders in Peru. And although Almagro decided not to take him, de Soto obviously believed that he too would be unable to achieve his personal ambitions in Pizarro's Peru. Having been turned down, he left for Spain, taking his military abilities with him. Almagro didn't really know exactly where he was going. He just knew that there was land to the south. It was untouched and unexplored by the Spanish, and so in his mind, this meant there was nothing to stop him claiming it for himself. He took with him two Inca noblemen, who were provided by Manco, and who were known to have experience with the land and peoples in the south of the empire. One was Manco's own brother, Pauyu. The other was perhaps the Inca's most important priest, a man named Viac Umo. Pizarro came out to watch Almagro's departure, and to wish him well. Presumably, this was a good thing from his point of view. Whether Almagro succeeded or failed, he would be out the way. If he failed, he might not come back. If he succeeded, hopefully he'd be happy to stay in his newly conquered lands. Almagro had chosen a man named Juan de Saavedra as his second-in-command, and he had already sent him ahead. As the Inca Empire stretched south into northern Argentina and Chile, the Inca leadership knew the geography, and they could help Almagro work out the best route to take. If you know the geography there, you will know that there is really no good route if you are leading a few Europeans with 16th century equipment into mostly unknown territory. The temptation might have been to follow the coast, but doing that would have taken them into the Atacama Desert, the driest place on earth. Instead, they decided that they would go into today's Bolivia, but doing this meant crossing the high and desolate Altiplano, which really isn't much better. It is extremely high, meaning that they would have suffered the strength-sapping effects of altitude. It is also, in large parts, not much less of a desert than the Atacama. They rejoined Saavedra at a place called Paria, near to where the city of Oruro is today. Here, he had press-ganged more indigenous people to accompany them, adding them to the porters who Manco had provided. The locals warned them that they were about to enter large stretches of unpopulated land. The other thing about the Altiplano is that it can be bitterly cold, and so they were obliged to wait at Paria for a month while they waited out bad weather. Then they crossed the empty plain down to Tupiza, near Bolivia's southern border, 
As they made their way through the difficult terrain, the expedition started breaking up into groups. The Spanish with horses were of course quicker, and the porters, carrying all the stuff, were the slowest. The stragglers were caught in heavy snow, which delayed them further. Almagro had to wait impatiently at Tupiza for two months for them all to come back together. As they were preparing to move on, they realised that Viacumo had slipped away, abandoning the expedition and heading back north. This was worrying. His motives were unknown, and the possibility that he was intending to work against them was real. Another possibility was that he knew what was to come, and he didn't fancy heading into it. Unable to find him, they continued south into Argentina, crossing Cajoy until they reached the land of the Chicoana people. Here there was a network of passes which would allow them to make the journey through the spine of the Andes, westwards into Chile. The geography didn't get any better, and it wasn't just Viacumo who didn't like the difficulties it presented. Every day they lost more and more men, some abandoning the job, and others dying in the harsh conditions. In desperation, Almagro started capturing anyone he came across, and behaving increasingly brutally. The llamas they were using to carry the food had started dying, and they were forced to ditch their provisions because they couldn't physically carry them. On top of this, it was becoming clear that no great and rich empire called this place home. There was none of the gold and silver they'd found in Peru, and which Almagro wanted to take for himself. The irony was, the route they were taking was rich in silver, but it wouldn't be discovered until later. Things got so bad that Almagro reached the verge of giving up. Something which would have been difficult for him to do. It would have hurt his pride and his future prospects to return to Pizarro in Cusco, having failed. He killed a halt and sent a small group of Spaniards ahead to see what they were up against. It seems he was expecting more of the same, and this would have been enough to persuade him to turn back. When this advance party returned, however, they brought with them the news that they had almost made it past the worst. Beyond the last mountains was the valley of Copiapo, a place where corn grew and animals roamed, a place where they could rest, recover, and perhaps found a capital for Almagro's viceroyalty. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You might remember, towards the beginning of the conquest of Mexico, 
Cortes coming across a maroon Spaniard in Yucatan, who had been living among the Maya there. Or soon after arriving in Copiapó, Almagro had a similar experience. He came across a man named Barrientos, who had been living there for a year. He had apparently been found guilty of stealing in Lima, and he had had his ears cut off as punishment. This had spurred him to leave, and he had somehow made his way all the way down to this far-flung valley. How he managed to cross such harsh terrain on his own is unclear. He had made himself useful to the local cacique in his battles against his neighbours, and so had become part of their society. With his introduction, the Spanish were welcomed. If not for this, they might not have been. Almagro had brought with him a translator, the same man who Pizarro had used when he first met Atahualpa. They had given him the name Filipillo, and he had decided that he was no fan of the Spanish. While being dragged around South America to translate for them when they met new peoples, in secret, he spent the whole of their time in Chile, warning the caciques that they met that the Spanish were no good and that they should attack them now while they had the chance. He had a point, but he was unable to persuade any of them to take action. After a rest, the Spanish continued southwards to the valley of Aconcagua, quite close to where Chile's capital Santiago is today. Almagro was trying to be optimistic. They hadn't seen any sign of the riches in Peru, but the land was getting better. It was more hospitable, and the idea of founding a new settlement here seemed plausible. Through Barrientos, the locals told him that there was no gold around, but yes, the land could support a population. Almagro sent some men to have a look further south, and when they came back they confirmed both of these points. Their scouting mission hadn't been straightforward though. They had entered the land of the Mapuche people, and here they'd been attacked by an army of thousands. They had managed to retreat without too much damage, but they reported that the Mapuche were organised and hostile. They would be difficult to conquer, and they didn't seem to want to allow them into their territory, or to interact with them in any way. What Almagro and his men faced was a problem of perspective. What they had found was fine. They could have presumably taken it from the indigenous peoples without too much trouble, and as the founders of this part of the Spanish Empire, they would all have given themselves large land estates and established themselves as the local aristocracy. Conquistadors we have encountered already in places like the Caribbean islands and Central America have found themselves in similar places and considered it a success. Later conquistadors will come to this very same place and settle it without complaint. Having just come from Peru, however, with all its riches, this land just didn't offer the same opportunities. Perhaps out of stubbornness and pride more than anything else, Almagro wanted to stay. But for many of the ordinary lower-class soldiers, they calculated that they would have more chance at personal enrichment back in Peru. He and his supporters still harboured ambitions to incorporate Cusco into their new viceroyalty. 
The thing which tipped the scales and persuaded Almagro to give up and return to Peru was the arrival of a group of reinforcements. They brought with them news, a message which came back from the King of Spain when Hernando Pizarro returned from his trip there. The king had decided that Almagro would be able to establish his own governorship in the south and it would be named Nuevo Toledo. The bad news was that this started just to the south of Cusco. The old Inca capital would belong to Pizarro. Almagro's governorship would consist of the hostile land they had crossed through and where they were now. So that should have made the decision for Almagro. Confirmation that he should stay where he was and start setting up this new colony. However, if he were to go back and fight for Cusco, this wouldn't be the first time that the edict of the distant king across the sea was superseded by events on the ground. It wouldn't either be the first time that someone had engineered events to make it look as if they were responding to new facts, rather than creating them. Encouraged by his men, Almagro started the trip back to Peru. He was now in a rush. He knew nothing of Manco's rebellion. And so as far as he was concerned, the Pizarro brothers were happily solidifying their control of Peru. The longer he was not there, the more secure they would make themselves, and the harder it would be to stake his own claim. Having suffered so much on the more roundabout route down through Bolivia and Argentina, he decided to disregard the advice he'd been given about the dangers and go directly north through the Atacama. He knew this would be difficult, so he organised some of his men into small groups whose job it was to go ahead, find water and bring it back to the main group. He also decided to gather as much as he could in the way of supplies. This meant taking it by force from the indigenous people and having written them and Chile off in his mind, he felt no more obligation to try and create good relations there. He apparently treated everyone he encountered in Chile's central valleys with violence. Unfortunately, Almagro's whole expedition is relatively little written about. It can be hard to find good sources which give details about his time there. This seems to be particularly true of this last leg through the desert. People apparently were more interested in what he did once he'd made it back. We can assume that it must have been difficult, and that his men emerged ragged and exhausted. Wikipedia, which, while useful for basic outlines and for finding sources, but which I resist using for the podcast, unless I can find the details it gives backed up somewhere else, says that according to some authors, Almagro and his men arrived in Peru with torn clothes, and that this is the origin of the Peruvian term roto, which is used to refer pejoratively to Chileans. It doesn't say who these authors are, and having not been to either country or heard the phrase myself, I cannot judge the accuracy of this. I mention it because, well, I can't find much else to say about the trek through the desert. No matter what state they were in when they reached Peru, and what difficulties they faced in the Atacama, their arrival presented both a big lift and a future problem for Pizarro and the Spanish who were fighting Manco's rebellion. On the one hand, this was a substantial group of reinforcements who could help them turn the rebellion around. 
On the other, there was no repairing the relationship between Pizarro and Almagro, and their rivalry would soon come to a head. If you've enjoyed this episode, and the podcast as a whole, you'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps new people discover the show. If you really liked it, it is possible to give a small donation. Donations help cover the cost of running the podcast. There is a link with information about how to do this in the show notes. Finally, you can also find the podcast on Facebook and Twitter, where I try to put up interesting things about Latin American history, which I might not necessarily be covering in the podcast. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Latin American History Podcast, written and recorded by Max Sargent. For more information, visit the website www.maxargent.com slash the history of Latin America. And that's spelt M-A-X-S-E-R-J-E-A-N-T. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to get in contact at History of Latin America Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find the Facebook page by searching for the Latin American History Podcast. The Twitter handle is at HistoryLatinAM. And if you've liked the show, you can help out by leaving a review on iTunes. Alternatively, if you visit the website, you'll see that each episode is accompanied by relevant photos. Most of these are my own, taken during my time in Latin America. All these photos and more are available to purchase as prints at my Etsy shop. You can find this at www.etsy.com slash photo. That's spelt www.etsy.com slash M-A-X-S-E-R-J-E-A-N-T photo. Thanks for listening. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.